Hello, and welcome back to the Love You Always podcast with myself, Betta, and Whistle. In this episode, I am with Mary Turner. Mary and I met earlier this year at a leadership event called The Game Changer by Devin Benenson. We ended up sitting next to each other and we instantly connected. I was so inspired by the way she spoke with such passion and purpose, and I'm very excited for you to hear her story today. Mary is a voice for excellence and extraordinary results as a transformational business and life coach. She's a seasoned business professional with over 30 years of corporate healthcare experience. She takes a holistic approach to business management and training. She owns five fruitful businesses headquartered in Houston, Texas, with branches in 23 states. And her companies serve organizations by offering a wide range of services, including CPR and continuing education classes for professional development, business consulting services to assist in business advancement, business coaching to workers who seek to become entrepreneurs, massage therapy as a form of stress management, and wellness retreats for holistic healing. Mary shared with me that her passion is coaching and mentoring clients to reach their peak performance by reminding them of their highest potential and unlimited possibilities as expressions of their higher source. Believing we are all interconnected no matter where we live in the world, Mary sees the people in our lives as mirrors of ourselves. You will quickly understand why I wanted to bring Mary on this show as she speaks through her experience. I hope you enjoy the laughs and the joys of this episode. Buckle up because Mary shares her authentic story of letting go of her attachments, moving from a victim mindset to self-responsibility, transitioning from moving through fear and leading through fear to leading with love, and getting comfortable with saying no for herself and her self-growth. I hope you enjoy this episode. Enjoy, and we will speak to you soon. Okay. Hello, Mary. Good to see Hello. you. Hello. How are you? I am. I'm doing so, I'm just filled with so much love right now, knowing that we only met a month ago. I think it was almost a month ago. And yeah. here we are. Right. Here we are. So before we get started, I have two questions for you. One is, are you willing and committed to showing up as fully you? And are you willing and committed to have an extraordinary conversation with me today? Absolutely, both. Yes. <laughs> That's what oh, I live right. for. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's get started. Okay. I would love for you to share who you are and really what's being called to, to share, like, who are you being today? Um, what's coming up for you? Who I am is a catalyst for life transformation. And I speak with sensitivity and boldness, withholding nothing. I am love. 
and my parents named me Mary Toner. Wow. Can you share with me a little bit more about being a catalyst for transformation? How has that shown up in your life? And I want you, and if I'd like you to, I'd like to invite you to take us back to where it all started. So where are you from? What was your childhood like? And did that being of a catalyst of transformation, did that start when you were a child or has that something that you've grown into? Yeah, definitely involved, evolving, and I'm still evolving. So I started Therapeutic Professionals, June will be 19 years. And what I do is a meditation. I do meditative journaling. And one day I was just journaling and all of a sudden, Catalyst for Life Transformation came up. I was writing my vision and my mission statement. And even though I chose that, I didn't really understand it at the time. I didn't know what it meant. It was just something that was given to me. And it wasn't until many years later that I understood that my purpose, my reason for being on the planet is that I am a catalyst for transformation for healthcare professionals in particular. So I'm not the change itself, but I'm that spark. And you know what's so funny is one of my staff members, I saw her yesterday and she always calls me Sparky. (laughs) She doesn't know any of this and she calls me Sparky. (laughs) Okay, Sparky, if I say something to her. And so she was sharing with a new instructor that's coming on board in about two weeks or so. Well, when you meet Mary and she asks you something, you call her Sparky. She knows she knows what that means. She's gonna know exactly where that came from. But don't keep using that word. That's what she told me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, as a child, it started there. Cause like I said, everything is an evolution. I keep evolving. I can't pinpoint what it was, but I know that my whole life I've been the type of person I've always wanted to serve others. Mm. probably the reason why I'm a nurse I love to care for others for a long time it was taking care of others at my own expense so I neglected myself to care for others and then I had to get that uprooted and find well what's the source of that why am I caring for other people and neglecting myself, giving from a cup that's empty. And it was not loving myself. And that's why I said, I am love. Because I've always been love. I just didn't recognize and I didn't operate and I didn't stand in that position of I am love. And so serving other people made me feel good because there was something lacking within me. And that was knowing who I am and that's love. And so when I am love, that means I love myself first and foremost. Therefore, love is infinite. I'm able to give. The more you give, the more you receive. 
That's <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit more on how you were able to recognize that you weren't filling up your cup, that you were serving, giving, giving, helping others? What sparked, what was the click for you on having to turn that inward in order to really be love and serve? Well, I think, you know, my whole life, I've always participated in growth and development. I love to grow. And it's natural. Even when I was in the Air Force many years ago, I'll never forget my supervisor. I was signing up for one course after another, just this thirst for knowledge. And she asked this other guy who, she was the, the, the CEO, if you will. I mean, it's the Air Force. And up under her was my supervisor. And she asked my supervisor, why does Mary keep signing up for these courses? And I was, at first I, I was a little offended. Well, why wouldn't she want me to do that? I'm bettering myself. Mm. And when I look back, I've always had that thirst for knowledge. And yet I was giving from a cup that's half full because I wanted to serve other people and I wanted to, I wanted to, to help. And what I discovered was I started getting exhausted. I was tired. And then sometimes I would say yes to someone and then be angry at myself for saying yes. I couldn't say no. And after a while, I th that sense of dread set in. And I didn't really associate it right away with it was because I wasn't giving back to myself. I just felt like I had this busy overwhelm going on. And I didn't connect the dots. Uh, it wasn't until I was just doing my own work. And then one day I just started crying. And, it, and I was reading this book by Yala Van Zandt and, and she says, it's okay to cry, but know why. Mm. If you're just crying and you don't even know why, then why are you crying? So I had to, it, it caused me, it forced me to take a look at the things that I didn't want to see. And that's when I discovered, well, you know, I'm not getting enough rest. I'm working about 16 to 18 hours a day. I'm sleeping about four hours a day. I'm not eating properly. And these are things that I teach people. So I'm a hypocrite. Mm. How can I ask others to do something that I'm not even doing myself? And I begin to feel like a failure and this, you know, how they call it imposter syndrome, whatever that, that is. I felt like a phony. How can I keep on asking people to do things that I'm not doing myself? I'm a hypocrite. And then I had to go deeper. Well, why am I not doing these things? Well, some of it was because I don't want to was running the conversation. I don't want to get up early because I already get very limited sleep. I don't want to go to the gym because I have to get in my car and drive there. Then I'm going to have to come back. And then that's even less time. I don't want to was running my life. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that I don't want to doesn't run my life. I do. Mm -hmm. And I saw everywhere, every decision that I was making was based on fear, not love. 
every decision that I made, well, I better do this or they're not gonna like me. Or if I don't commit to this, then I'm not gonna have any support systems. Everything, every decision I made was based on in fear. And uh, eventually it all turned itself around. I really resonate with that. And what's coming up for me is that when you're in the seat of when fear is driving your choices, it's very hard to see that. And it sounds like in order for when you were able to see that it was doing the work you mentioned. So for you, what, was, work. That, what was that inner work for you? It's everything you could possibly think of. But I think the, the turning point, <clears throat> I went to a seven-day retreat. Mm. And it was at a Buddhist temple. And all we did was meditate. Seven days. We couldn't talk. And we couldn't look another individual in the eye. It, the, it was designed for you to just really focus on self, go within. And so we meditated probably eight, nine, 10 hours a day and we ate and then we meditated and we slept and we meditated and we meditated. And we did that for seven days. And every um, night I would look at my clothes and they would be dirty. And I was like, well, I didn't do anything today, but meditate, why are my clothes so dirty? And what I realized is I was doing a detox. Mm -hmm. And not only was I doing a detox physically, because we weren't eating meat, it was spiritually and mentally, everything that was coming up from going within. And I got to a point where literally I was one with everything. I had never experienced anything like that before in my life. It was profound. I was one with everything, every individual, the rocks outside, even the air, the things we can't even see, I was one with. And there was nothing but love. And I wanted to hold on to it. And uh, yeah, when I left there, I came back home and they told us we would have some experiences and what I experienced was <laughs> I was meditating. I was on my um, living room floor meditating like I always do. Nobody was in the house and I hadn't turned on any of the lights. And uh, usually when I do my meditation, it's about 45, 50 minutes. And so I'm in this meditation <clears throat> and I hear like uh, a piece of paper rattling. And I open my eyes and I see this big gigantic rat rolling over the paper that was in the corner that I had bought. This, I had bought something and it was still in the package. He's, and he's moving so slow that he, you know, he looks at me and I look at him and I'm like, mm, it's an illusion because they told us we would have these illusions. So I just go back into my meditation. <laughs> My daughter's at the hospital. She's having a baby, my grandson. So I go to the hospital 
And when I get to the hospital, all of a sudden, my daughter's saying, your eyes are bloodshot red. Well, I feel this. They're burning. Mm. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, it's an illusion. Just ignore it. So I go look in the bathroom and my eyes are just like, someone took red dye Mm. and put, put it in my eyes. And then I sat there and what I could feel, and this is the only way I can describe it. The eagle started at my feet and came up my legs, all the way up my chest, all the way up here. And before it could get all the way up to my face, I got present again. And I was able to push the ego back down. And this was like a fight because I was so aware. And, you know, it's, it's, I have to be careful who I share this with because it sounds so unbelievable. And if, if, if it were you sharing it with me better, I'd be like, mm-hmm, yeah, right. I experienced it for myself though, yeah, you know, yeah. and I, it's still far-fetched even to hear it come out of my mouth. So I'm leaving the hospital. Actually, before I even left to go to the hospital, I'm driving my car and the wheel is going like fled Flintstone, Flintstone. You know how it's just Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. It's just like, so I get out and I go, look, nothing wrong with the tire. I'm like, was it a flat tire? What's going on? So I finally turn the car around and I go to my mom's house. I said, mom, I need to use your car. I need to go visit Kenya. She says, sure, no problem. So I'm driving her car, exact same thing. And then- yeah. So then the windshield, um, there's this, um, it's a bag mask. It's for healthcare professionals when somebody goes into cardiac arrest. It's swinging back and forth. And so it's this fear is all inside of me. And I'm like, no, it's not real. No, because I've already been um, coached that some things are going to happen to you. It's strange. Don't worry about it. It only happens a couple of days. I go to lay down. I can't lay down because I'm laying in the bed and something grabs my feet and it's this excruciating pain and it's like pulling me down. And I somehow fight it and I the only way I can stay, I can't sleep now. So it's going on days where I can't sleep because I'm afraid. Yeah. So I have to either have a mantra, the one that you use at the Buddhist temple, or I have to put on um, um, the um, our Father who art in heaven, holy is thy name. I, I have to have this playing all night long. It's like these spirits are all around me. I'm in another realm. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, this is how my whole life has been. Oh fear. Everything has been fear. And I don't know if any of that was real. You know, and I went back and I told the shoe I was like, I don't know what's going on. I cannot sleep. He was like, I might need to come to your house or whatever. It might be some, you know, because they believe in all these different worlds. And I don't believe in none of that. I was just there for a seven day retreat <laughs> meditation. <and COVID. laughs> but what I got is fear had literally ruled my entire life. Yeah. And I'm so hard headed that the universe had to show me in such a way that I would actually see it. Yeah. 
The universe had to shake you. <laughs> it had to do more than shake me because it had been shaking yeah. me. That wasn't even enough. Yeah. It had to beat me down. What did you like? Was it one night that you already that you were allowed to sleep again, or what? Well, ease first, off of this that? went on for about two or three weeks. Okay. And I couldn't sleep in my bed because I have a uh, Tempur-Pedic bed and it shapes to your body. I needed some, the floor. I had to sleep on <laughs> I had to sleep on the floor for about two or three days. And then I had, I had to have a hard flat surface for about two or three days. Now see, as part of the meditation, we had to let go of attachments. And I was attached to so much material things and uh i needed to to let go of the bed the comfort of being in the mm -hmm. bed because everything had to be comfortable i i, I didn't want to be uncomfortable about nothing so instead of facing things i stayed in my comfort zone so it had to literally show me all all these areas of my life where i was comfortable even down to the bed that i sleep in Wow. That is one of the most profound stories I've ever heard. How long ago was this? I did that retreat. It's probably been about five years. Okay. So yeah. that was your massive breakthrough, it sounds. Huge. Then what? I had little breakthroughs up to that point, but that was when really things started to turn around. And I would say um, quantum leaps begin mm. to occur, if you will. Can you share some of those? Well, I went on a, a skiing trip with some friends and these guys, they are experts. I am, I've skied double black diamonds and all of that. They're like, higher than that okay so you know how you have people who perform in the olympics and they can do all kind of back flips and they can do all kinds of tricks on their skis and drop off of a mountain and drop down and catch themselves so they do all that kind of stuff i don't i can ski back country i can ski double black diamonds i can do a couple little things here um, and so anyway, I flew out to Seattle and it was a snowy day, which is a good day if you love to ski. So they wanted to go ski right away. And I said, well, I need to get acclimated to the altitude. I need to get my feet feeding, my grounding up under myself. So let's take a couple of blue runs, maybe some black runs. They wanted to go straight to the back country. And within me was like, Mary, don't do it. Mm. Don't do it within me. Everything was saying, don't do it. But what was coming out of my mouth is, okay, I don't feel comfortable doing this, but you all taught me everything that I know. And if you feel like I can do it, despite the fact I haven't been on skis in a year, despite the fact I'm trying to convince them based on what I'm saying, instead of being a no for myself. Mm -hmm. So I say all of these things thinking they will hear me and say, okay, well, let's go ahead on and do a blue or two blue runs, and then we'll go to the back country. But they wanted to get in the powder because the powder was the powder and everybody wants to ski the powder when it's snowing. And no one wants tracks that someone already made. They want to make their own tracks. So, and that's where they were coming from. 
So they couldn't hear what I said. All they knew was that they wanted to get out there and ski. So we get out there in the back country and I'm skiing and all of a sudden, I said, look, I feel like I'm about to pass out. And they say, that's vertigo, it's the altitude. You need more oxygen. So we need to get you down. I said, okay, so we're skiing. And I mean, when they ski, they take off and they're, they're flying. Now we're not on a mountain like this. We're on mountains that are like this. There is no stopping if you fall. Mm. I fall. Mm. <laughs> so when you fall and you're in the back country and there's nothing to stop you, there's only a tree. You can run into a tree <clears throat> or you fall off the cliff. And so I fall off the cliff. And as I'm falling off the cliff, my life is flashing before me. Everything that has happened in my life up until this day, my kids, my parents, my whole life. And it seems like I'm falling and falling and fall. I'm not, but it just seems as if I am. And so I hit the ground. And when I hit the ground, I said, oh my God, I'm still alive. <clears throat> and I start rolling. And as I'm rolling, I'm turning into a big ball this big ball of snow. And I'm going faster and faster and the snow is starting to suffocate me. And something says live or die. And I was like, well, of course I gotta die. And then I, something, and it's not something you could hear outside. It was just a knowing, a conversation. And so all of a sudden I realized it gave me a choice, live or die. And I said, as best I could. And I immediately came to a stop. I held on for life and it took them about 30 minutes and they came and got me. And that was when I discovered we get to choose if we wanna live or die. I don't know about all the time, but in that moment, I had a choice. I almost didn't realize I had the choice. <laughs> that was that was pretty profound for me. Yeah. I'm change my name. Wow, Mary. So in that moment, you recognized the choice of living versus dying. And when you realized that choice, did you make any changes to your life? Oh my God, that's what I mean by quantum. Yeah. So they came and got me. We got back down to the bottom and they cried, two grown men. They cried like babies because they, I even still have the pictures of where I fell from and it's not even humanly possible for me to have survived the fall, first of all. And um, it changed their life too, you know, and I decided I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to just exist. And I started doing the things that I always wanted to do. I started spending quality time with the people that are important to me. It was work, 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 work. And it was overwhelmed. I stopped all that craziness. And I had to slow down to go faster. Mm. <laughs> it was so crazy. The less I did, the more successful I became, the more peace I had, the more time I had. Uh, it was just amazing. 
how my life just began to take shape in brand new ways. I started connecting with different types of people with different mindsets, the things that I was wanting to do. And then one thing led to another. I was being connected with all of these amazing people. And then, you know, like I said, one thing led to another. And then next thing you know, I'm at the game changer with you. And it hasn't stopped since. Wow. I can feel your energy. <laughs> Even just the tone of your voice, how it shifted from when you were, you know, telling early on of your story and then now how you are showing up and being in your life and how much room and spaciousness you've created for yourself yes. by slowing down and recognizing the choice you have. Yeah. Choice so is a powerful thing. It really is. Because I think... Up until that point, I didn't really appreciate that I had a choice in everything that I do. It was, sometimes it felt like I didn't have a choice when in fact, there's always a choice. And, and fear was stopping most of the choices that I was making at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So I heard you mention success. And I would love for you to really share what you believe success is and how it has shown up, shown up in your life. What I believe success is, is being all that you are created to be, period. I'm, I was created to be a catalyst for life transformation. I'm clear about that. I'm I'm here to serve others and their unfoldment and evolution. And I do that every day. And it's rewarding. It's beautiful. And I can share with people all of the different mistakes that I've made along the way in terms of my business so they can avoid some of the pitfalls that I ran into. And I, I, I truly believe that success leaves clues. And we have an opportunity to follow those clues where we can learn the mistakes on our own. The mistakes cost money. So it's easier to let somebody else make the mistake and you avoid it by learning from their mistake. Success leaves clues. I've never thought of it like that. So looking at your life and where you are today, I would love for you to also share, I know there's multiple ways that you serve. So, and I would love to just learn about what they are. So you serve within your business. What does that mean? And is that the same as your coaching or is that separate? Well, you know, I have five businesses. Uh, one is coaching, and it's the one that I probably will be focused on in 2023 more than any of the others. Mm. I would say for the past three years, I've been primarily focused on my training center. I own an American Heart Association training center, and we teach basic life support, ACLS, which is advanced cardiac life support and heart saver. It's basically CPR and skills if someone um, goes into cardiac arrest to revive them. 
So um, I have a national training center. I have instructors all over the United States. And what I did last week was just called up some of them that I saw they weren't really allowing their businesses to grow for whatever reason. I just picked up the phone and I called them. And I said, um, I want to invite you to a CPR coaching program that I just created. And I created it because I was looking at all of the instructors that aren't doing anything with their businesses. And I want to show you some of the things that I've done to help me be successful. And immediately, eight of them responded, I want to do it. And three of them have already paid, one paid for a year of one-on-one -on -one coaching. She didn't want to do the group coaching. And the other two signed up for group coaching. And then the others are supposed to pay by April 25th. And what that does, that allows them to have, you know, because they come into CPR thinking they're going to have this business, they can quit their job and everything's going to be wonderful, but they don't realize all of the other components to running a business. Well, you know, I've been running businesses for a long time. So I feel like with the experience that I've had over the years, I could literally shorten their learning curve. Mm. And that's what we plan on doing starting April 25th. I also own a massage therapy company, and we do massages mainly for the healthcare community. Mm -hmm. The healthcare community, particularly nurses, are some of the most stressed out people in the world, and they care for everyone but themselves, because I know I'm a nurse. <laughs> yeah. And so we offer that as a form of stress management. And I also own a, a company called Nurse Retreats. And we host the an annual retreat for nurses to unplug and learn holistic modalities. Most nurses have gone to school. They know the science, but they don't know that holistic portion, that spiritual part. And so they get to come together for a weekend, unplug, no cell phones, no outside communication, and they get to go within. They learn how to meditate. They learn how to take nature walks. They learn how to just sit and do Nothing. Nothing. Because <laughs> that's something, doing nothing is something, okay? Yes. And, you know, they learn what the chakras are and how to align your chakras and how to transition off of meat onto a plant-based diet if they so choose to. And different things that have to deal with the mind, body, and spirit. You serve in so many ways. <laughs> So many ways that are just a ripple effect because in each of those areas, you're touching someone's heart and then they're spreading that out to yes. so many places that you probably can't even see or come up with. I, you know, I, for a long time, I had no idea the impact that I was making because when you're just doing what you're doing, you're just being you, mm -hmm. it just seems so ordinary. It's not really until other people were sharing and I started listening because they were sharing the whole time. I didn't believe it or I just played it down. I didn't recognize it and I couldn't own it. Mm. Now I do. So really quickly, you don't have to go into too much detail here or you can, but I would love to just have an, an idea of the 
the process of your life, like the, the, the timeline of when you were a nurse and then when these creations started to come to life, was it, you know, right away? Was it after five years? Was it after 10 years? Was it once you had a family? Um, just so I can have a visual of your, your life story. I don't know. I'm just, um, when they came to life, I think they were always brewing because everything con connects to everything. And even in the moment, you may not understand what's happening or why it's happening or how it's going to be used five or 10 years from now. So that's a tough question because it all ties together. You know, when I was a little kid, I, I can recall what comes to mind is me being outside. My mom and dad owned a record distributorship in Chicago. And I can just re remember me being outside on the pogo stick. Do you remember those? Yeah. You're probably too young. No, I remember those. <laughs> Do they ever dangerous anymore? I have no idea. And I would just be out there for hours jumping on that pogo stick. I just remember that. And I don't know why that came to mind when you said that. Wow. I would be out there. I loved it. I loved it. I would just be out there jumping. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Balancing. That was your meta, like that's your metaphor for life is where you're always growing. You're always like this energy is always within you. And it's just a matter of like what you want to jump to next. Yeah. Jump from jump, jump from thing to thing and like just continue to create ripple effects of love. Yeah. And yeah. Transformation. Yeah. <sighs> well, I love you. I and love you back. <laughs> Let's just share a little bit about how we met. Do you want to share? Okay. Well, um, the way I remember it, we were at the Game Changer in New York. That was the first time I had been to New York. Mm -hmm. And um, so originally I was scheduled to go to London. And the person that I was going with, they didn't want to go to London because of everything that's going on in the world. And I understand that. And then they just weren't comfortable. And I had never been to York, New York, so I was like, okay, well, let me just see if we can get this switched. And she ended up canceling altogether. And she had some reasons, some valid reasons for not being there. So I ended up going to the Game Changer by myself, but my best friend, she met me in New York and we hung out the whole time I was there. We had a great time. I was sitting beside you in the Game Changer and we had to have a conversation. I don't know if you remember or not. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the, I just remember when we had the conversation, we connected immediately. Mm -hmm. The conversation that we were having, I'm not going to share. It's not necessary. But what I got out of the conversation is you are a powerful woman and I want to know who you are and I want to stay connected to you. That's what I, when I, and every day when I came in the room, I always would try, okay, where is she? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I can say that I had a very similar experience where it was the second really? day we met, we sat by each other. Yes. So, and I'll never forget, I could just, I could feel your presence in the room. Wow. And when we had that conversation, like, I know the practice was to look in each other's eyes, but sometimes that can be difficult, even when it's a, a direction. And it was just so natural and, and like the love was just, it was very present. Um, 
And when you closed out the weekend and we shared our commitments, I will never forget when you stood up and do you mind if I share what you were being? Please do. So yours was, I'm committed to being my word or I am my word. Yes. Yes. That like shook my body because I've never, (laughs) I've never heard someone that was so true to that. Like I, I believed you a hundred percent and, um, you don't hear that every day. You don't get that feeling and that sense of truth from people um, when when they say such powerful words. So I felt the exact same way about you. And I know this won't be the end of our relationship. This is just the beginning. And I would love for you to share, you know, once this is out in the world, if you want people to reach out to you or if you just want to share, you know, anything about yourself, like if you have a social media account or anything, if you want people to reach out and if you're comfortable with just just saying no thank you, that's also fine. <laughs> well, I think if it resonates with someone and they feel compelled to reach out, absolutely. Um, probably the best way would be email. I'm old okay. school. So my email address is Mary, M-A-R-Y, at Coach R-N dot com mary at coach rn dot com i'm also on uh instagram mary at coach rn and i'm on facebook as well mary at coach rn so reach out to me and i'll i'll say i'll be the filter for you (laughs) okay yeah that would be perfect that would be perfect yeah well this was such a beautiful powerful conversation. Thank you for sharing your story and being thank you for having me. And thank you so much for those who listened or, or was in this space with us as you consume this information. So sending love. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. you for listening. It was such a joy to have you in this space. I will share all of Mary's contact information in the show notes. And I also wanted to mention that you can find a bit about her story in one of the greatest books, particularly coaching books called The Ultimate Coach by Steve Hardinson. She is mentioned in the book. Her, her I, There's a story about her that is very inspiring. So I am encouraging you all to go pick up the ultimate coach and have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye.